0: Welcome to Life in the Front Office, where various experts from the sports industry give back by providing advice and insights for those who currently work in sports and those who want to work in sports. As a longtime member of the front office, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Jake, take it away.
1: Thanks, Ross. Well, we have Bill Schumard and Fred Clare on today with us and uh, extremely excited to have the two of them on. You know, it was kind of unique uh, in that uh, the three of us uh, have known each other for quite a few years. Um, Bill and Fred obviously going way, way further than that. And Fred had mentored Bill and Bill had mentored me and Fred had been a mentor for me as well. And so it's kind of just a unique uh, episode to have all three of us together. Bill, Fred, how are you guys?
2: Doing fine, Jake. Thanks for asking me to do this.
1: Doing well, Jake, and uh, good to be with you and Chu. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think one of the things we wanted to talk about today was, you know, you both of you have had such rewarding careers and, and have accomplished so many things uh, throughout your career in sports, but really finding the fulfillment in working in sports outside of just being a fan and then kind of going into a little bit of how to network and and really get yourself into a position where you can find that fulfillment in sports. Um, so I wanted to talk about, you know, Bill, first your, your introduction, kind of your career path in a snapshot and how you were mentored by Fred and, and kind of tell your story there.
2: Sure. I um, uh, got into sports information uh, or what they would call now uh, communications uh, at the college level uh, when I was at Long Beach State and uh, was the sports information director there and at Cal State Los Angeles for a couple of years before I got a tremendous break and Fred hired me at the Dodgers at the ripe old age of 24. Uh, I like to call that my doctoral degree in how to do things right. I was there for <laughs> just under 13 years uh, before continuing to pursue my uh, my goal of being a college athletic director, and so moved on to USC to learn fundraising, then athletic director at Cal State Fullerton for three years, and my alma mater, Long Beach State, for 10 years uh, before landing at Special Olympics, where I've been the CEO at, in Southern California for the last 14 years.
1: Wow. I mean, that's quite the career path. Obviously, you've you know been in professional baseball, been in college athletics, been on the nonprofit side, but still involved in sports. Talk a little bit about your recent um, accomplishments within Special Olympics. You know, I know I think back to a couple of years ago when I was at Redlands, we had a host committee uh, and we had worked with the World Games in, in which you were a really big part of. You know, talk about the fulfilling aspect of that and maybe kind of what your career path did for you up until that point to prepare you for it.
2: Sure. Special Olympics Southern California, what you were referring to, Jake, uh, was the host program for the largest sports and humanitarian event in the world in 2015, the Special Olympics World Summer Games in Los Angeles. Uh, 7,500 athletes from 175 countries and uh, about $100 million, give or take, raised to make those games come off. They were televised by ESPN, tremendous accomplishment. But I, I have to go back to Fred and my grounding with, with Fred, because not only did Fred uh, really uh, drill us and all those who were fortunate to work with him and, and for him about about excellence and, and competence and, and taking pride in your work, but also in terms of paying it forward and, and making sure that Higher education had a place for for sports business and and, uh, and sports management. Fred always had that on his radar, and I think as a result, that that registered with me as a young man, uh, and it became important really quickly. I, I think when um, uh, one thing that made me take the Special Olympics job, when uh, the chairman of the board at that time, Patrick McClanahan, uh, he said, "Bill, he said, uh, Special Olympics needs to be run." As a first-class sports organization, it's the world's largest sports organization. It needs to be run as a first-rate sports organization, and of course, that resonated with me because of everything that I learned from Fred uh, in my career. And it was—it uh, ended up uh, being the best job I've ever had.
1: No, it's it's awesome. And and Fred, I mean, to that point, you know, talk a little bit about how everyone's path is a little bit different. The people that you've mentored along the way, but how maybe Bill has stuck out in that, you know. You stayed in baseball, but he went kind of a different direction in sports and and obviously has done um, some unique unique things.
3: Well, the paths are different, but the interesting thing to me are the common parts. And uh, it really, and I reference this in talks, it really has to do with Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. When you examine, as he did and uh, his wonderful staff, the best companies, proven to be the best companies, not just stock price, but how they're evaluated on any number of levels. They all have common parts. And, uh, and that's true of, uh, of someone like Bill, who's had a great career and continues to have it. Steve Brenner, who runs one of the top marketing companies in Los Angeles. Who went from the Dodgers into sports marketing. Uh Mike Fox, who was a member of our staff, who now runs one of the top trucking companies in the country. Ben Wang, who was in publicity, first a bat boy, who's now the president of a biotech company. So you when you talk wow. about a divergence of where people have ended up, uh it's 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 amazing because it's all over the spectrum. But when I think about all these people, I think about the common things that I saw in each and every one of them. I saw the, uh, the passion that they had for the job that they did every single day. And their willingness, and this is very, very important, when, when you look at the careers of these people and the levels that they've reached, in my experience with them, no job was too small. No matter what it was, they did it with enthusiasm. Think about that, because a lot of the things they were asked to do with the Dodgers, and I think this is true in many organizations, it was like, wow, you know. I'm gonna go downstairs and, and uh and uh get Steve Garvey's autograph and bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you you're talking about people who are running extremely successful companies. But they understood uh they had the joy of uh, of being part of a team. And uh so I, I think more about the commonalities of the individual than I do in their uh, differences because the one bond that we have is related to days with the Dodgers. And I think for so so many people that I have dealt with in my life uh, is starting with the love of sports, just as Bill did as the sports information director. And and I think that becomes the key, which is part of – what I think is so vitally important in any career that I preach and teach over and over. It's all but trite, but true. Find your passion.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and Bill, I mean, you've, you've obviously had multiple passions, right? Going from baseball to college athletics to special Olympics. I mean, talk about, you know, the transitions, obviously Fred had his passion for baseball and he, he kept with it and kept going, but, you know, talk about the transitions between each part of the industry and to, to Fred's point, you know, the commonalities, right, amongst the people. But then what about the commonalities amongst the industry and the parts sure. of the industry?
2: Well, you know, you know, Jake, sports does some incredible things in our society. It teaches, it entertains, it sells, it motivates, whether it's on the collegiate level, the professional level or the amateur level. It, it does those things at at any level It's also a microcosm of society, both good and bad. Just watch the news every day. Uh, Special Olympics, I like to say, is everything that's good and right about sports because it gives people who really deserve it an opportunity to belong. It gives them an opportunity to have first rate and equitable sports training and competitive uh, opportunities. And um you know, going back to a, a couple of other things i've I've gotten from Fred, good to great was a, a tremendous book. I happened to read that on Fred's recommendation right when I came into this job and it was the blueprint for how we moved forward uh with with this organization and uh some of the great things that we have accomplished together as a team uh started with with good to great and I think one thing I learned greatly from Fred and his passion, and certainly mine, is competence and professionalism. I reminded Fred of a story that that he didn't even remember when we were one of the top 100 companies in America, not just the best sports franchise in all of sports, one of the top 100 companies in America, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Business Week, uh, would come and interview Fred and say, how in the world does a sports team end up in that kind of rarefied air and fred would say we have a simple formula let's it's a secret formula come to work early stay till the job is done return every phone call within 60 minutes return every piece of mail in those days it was snail mail fellas (laughs) in 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 24 business hours
1: no tweets
2: (laughs) no no No. tweets (laughs) treat everyone from the switchboard (laughs) operator to the owner of the ball club with the dignity and the respect that they deserve. And of course the writers would say, come on, Fred, that's, that's, uh, that's way too simple. That's way too uh, uh, elementary. And Fred, Fred said, no, this is competence. And when it's drilled into everyone in the organization and it becomes a best practice with everyone, now you're talking about a great organization. And I've been able to take that with me wherever I've gone and it's paid great dividends.
1: Well, and from a leadership standpoint, I mean, obviously you've learned some of those things from Fred, but uh, maybe talk about some of the the things that you've learned along the way from a leadership standpoint and, and the differences between, you know, leading in your position now at Special Olympics versus being an athletic director versus, um, you know, having the, the SID position, et cetera. And what did it take, I guess, from, you know, a... a work standpoint and understanding the people that you're working with you know we, we we talk about fred's comment about finding your passion you know everyone's got a different passion in what you're working with and who you're leading so how do you kind of find the bridge for everyone uh, based on the passions that they have
2: sure well the the three of us share a common passion in in sports but but i think also something i certainly saw in fred and that i see in myself And that is a passion for relationships with people uh, using sports as the vehicle. I know uh, Fred started off in in the media. I started off in sports information. I had no idea that that was going to give me a much deeper understanding on how to deal with the media, which really helped me as I went further uh, in, in my career and also being able to interact with the players, the coaches, the managers understanding how they thought uh, and, and, and developing those relationships of mutual trust and respect uh, is something that I'm very proud of. And obviously that that Fred modeled greatly and that served me tremendously during my career.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. And Fred, I mean, Fred, to your point about the passions, maybe touch a little bit about how finding your passion can also teach you how to network in the sense that you want to find commonalities with people and learn what they do, um, but, but also by connecting via the same passion.
3: Well, the, the reason uh, that I believe that passion is so important is that it shows to everyone uh, that how much you care about your job and how much you want to do your job well. There's, there's, it's kind of strange. There's a little bit about the name or the title networking that I don't care for. It's important to have good contacts and have your contacts grow. and And I'd use Shu as an example. Shu established great relationships in community service, in public relationships. But what I saw, more than anything, was just someone caring about his job. Not, not it may sound strange. Not necessarily trying to impress, other than to show your dedication for the job. And I think that's really uh, critical. And um, you know, quite often, it's kind of interesting to me. It's not that you have to reach to uh, help or try to impress someone above you. You, most, you know what the most interesting thing is? The rewards for helping someone who is uh, in a job level below you. It's amazing. And, and I've had the advantage of seeing time and seeing how this plays out. Uh, And I've referenced him uh, before, but his career is so remarkable in Ben Wang, who was a Dodger bat boy. And to show you the progress of his team, that the last time the Dodgers team was for sale and sold, Ben called me because he advanced far enough in the world to have the wherewithal belief, and the potential funding to buy the team. Uh, that's a, ben, that's ben, amazing. Ben was that's a amazing. fat boy, and, and Ben reminded me. Said Fred that you 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 brought me to the front office. You you encouraged me to go back to school. Well, I I didn't do that trying to <laughs> impress Ben. <laughs> I I did that because I wanted to help him, and, and so that's really, you know, I, I think. You know, sometimes thinking about your goals or where you want to be, and and I've said this before, and it's just part of how I approach my job. I started out as a publicity director. I never looked to become the vice president of public relations and promotions. That's not what my intent was. I just wanted to do my job. I became the executive vice president. My goal wasn't to become the executive vice president. I didn't even think about it. I became the executive vice president general manager. I didn't think about that, but I, I what I want to emphasize is is just the work ethic it requires to do the job that you're assigned to do, because if you're looking to somebody else's area, you're not doing your job as well as you can, so I, I think, you know, some people will say, well, Fred, that, that, that's old school, or <laughs> you don't do that anymore, you got to be out there you got to be networking. What do you mean answering phone calls and emails? <laughs> Man, that's old school, Fred. And I'll tell you what. It may be, but I'll tell you something else. I'm proud to be part of the old school.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: Well, don't, isn't there a saying like old school is the new school or new school is the old school? <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah,
2: If not, we'll, we'll invent it and make a bumper sticker.
1: There you go. And then it'll really catch fire. Well, you know, along those lines, Fred, you know, Bill, you know, talk a little bit about what, you know, you kind of did to get from one place to the next. You know, Fred obviously just alluded to you never really thought about it. Right. But at the same time, you kind of had to have some sort of direction in that, you know, you knew you wanted to be an athletic director. So how did you get there? What kind of experience along the way did you try and gather Um, to get there for those who are listening to this, who might say, Oh yeah, I want to be an athletic director too. And and maybe I could follow in Bill's footsteps.
2: Well, specifically, I knew if I uh, wanted to be a college athletic director and moving from the Dodgers, you only played that card once. I mean, that was a, an invaluable card at the top of the heap. And so how did I play that and where could I go to learn something valuable to help me be an athletic director? And of course, that was the university of Southern California to learn how to raise money. And, uh, uh, that ended up to be a a very, uh, simple, uh, and successful transition for me because it, it really related and dovetailed to everything that we did in, in selling the Dodger brand and getting people to invest in, in Dodger baseball. It wasn't any different, uh, at USC, but, but the other thing too, Jake, and talking about networking, um, aligning yourself with people with similar values that where there's mutual trust and respect. And I learned this from Fred, the people that you meet throughout your career, uh, not just because they're going to help you, but what can you do for them? What can you do to help them in their career or their personal lives? Those relationships to me are, are, are paramount. And as I think back on all the jobs I've had, I only went through a formal application process once. Wow. And ironically, that was the one job that I probably failed in at Cal State Fullerton <laughs> and uh, and had to appear before a search committee and all those other things. Every other job I got was because the job was kind of off the grid and a personal connection was made and a conversation was had. And we got to know each other. You know, we want you here, and and, and yeah, that's where I want to be, and and so your your network is uh, is invaluable through, throughout your career.
1: Right. Well, and that's not old school. That definitely happens now, still for sure. Um, you know, I can only think about the couple of things that I've had, and and shoot, quite frankly, I I think I got the the job at the Rose Bowl Bill through a, a call. I think I was driving on the seventy three or something, and you had <laughs> called me one day and said, Hey, do you want to work at the Rose Bowl? I said. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? And, why not? Uh, he said, okay, well, I'll make another call and then you'll probably get a call from someone else. I said, fine, yep. fine by me. Right. So I and think that's, it's-
2: that's the old Fred Claire connection too, because the guy that runs the Rose Bowl, <laughs> Daryl Dunn, I'm sure he tells Fred the same thing. He tells me anybody you want to send my way send them up here
1: (laughs) there you go it was a combination of the two of you guys see there you go teamwork um well hey we'll we'll take a quick break what i do want to do is talk about your advisory board next and kind of what that looks like and and how maybe um, young professionals and those who are currently in sports can kind of create that advisory board and and what that looks like so we'll take a quick break
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode on life in the front office and stay tuned for part two after a brief message. If you really liked this episode, rate us on Apple podcast and subscribe on Apple podcast or Spotify. Feel free to share it with your friends and colleagues. And thank you for listening.
1: And we're back from our break here with Fred and Bill, uh, talking about our advisory board as we've kind of transitioned from talking about fulfillment in sports, working in sports and and how you network. And, you know, a concept of the advisory board had been presented to me by Fred and Bill and some others, um, you know, I'll let them kind of do the talking, but it's, it's a neat concept that I think most people, if not all people should at least think about having um, as they kind of progress throughout their career and and what that looks like, Bill and, Bill and Fred, take it from there.
2: Go ahead, Fred.
3: Well, I think that uh, having your own personal advisory board, if you would at uh, any stage uh, is uh, any stage of your career, uh even when you're in college w- w- good organizations are have people that they can rely on for guidance and for advice and and that is I think extremely important because uh, so often decisions become very difficult in terms of for example, the the changes that Bill made in his career, and he can speak to it, but uh, he was making changes, not knowing where that road would lead, but there were people that he sought for advice, and I think that that becomes critically important uh, because there are certain positions that you have uh, where... Uh, the advisory board, if you would, uh, becomes critical to your success. And uh, 30 years ago, in 1988, the Dodgers had a wonderful year in winning the World Series. And I credit the the good things that happened that year to the people who were part of my personal advisory board in positions with the Dodgers a tremendous scouting group of Mel Didier and Steve Voros and Phil Regan and Jerry Stevenson. Now that may sound simplistic because that's part of the job, but in our own careers, if there is an opportunity, something that we're weighing or an action we're thinking about taking, uh, it requires, uh, it requires thought and, and, uh, and, and that's the way any decision should be approached. And Bill made a point that's absolutely right about surrounding yourself with good people uh, because that is really what is critical to success. Not, Not no one person in any organization is going to determine the success. And this incidentally or pointedly was part of the O'Malley philosophy, and the O'Malleys in baseball were as successful as any ownership. And the the feeling was that in a bad year or in a difficult year, it's it wasn't it wasn't just the manager, it wasn't just the general manager. And in fact, what would happen? And this was a learning experience for me. I always said that the O'Malleys their ownership and their leadership were the best when times were the toughest. They made a point when the times were the toughest to bring everyone together because they realized this team, the Dodgers, we are going to succeed or we are going to fail or fall short with with our team, with our group of people. And I think that's a extremely valuable lesson because there's no question that in, uh, any of our lives, there are going to be times when we make a decision that we regret that we wonder why we did that. But by the same token, those are the things that you, you learn from, but, um, uh, don't be isolated. And, and quite often, I think when times become very difficult, there's almost a tendency among executives or people at times to withdraw because it's a, it's a loss of confidence. And, 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 and so they, they, they need to uh, reach out uh, and seek help. And and I'll just interject one thought because it relates to the program that Bill started, the sports management program at Long Beach State. And I have met with literally hundreds of students. Yes, you have. I'm so happy to do so. <laughs> but there's one that stays out in my, in my mind. A young lady came to see me in my office in Pasadena. She had had a a good career, she was young, but had a good career with a trucking company. And, but she wanted, uh, but she got into sports management and said that, I said, you know, what's happening to you right now with your career? And she said something that startled me. She said, I've lost my confidence. And I said to her, oh, my, my, (laughs) no, No, I I, look, I'm talking to you. I'm looking at your resume. Uh, You you need I mean, you may have lost the job, but you didn't lose who you were. I said, you have every right. You're working at it. You're 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 making every effort from an educational. The very fact that you're here and, do you know, about two or three Weeks later, I got a letter that she had taken a job with ESPN. Oh wow! <laughs> do, you, do you know? Do you know how good that makes you feel? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, wow. that's, that's that's off the charts in in terms of what it means to me or to any of us who are in a position. And uh, but I'll I'll never forget that because her her answer was so honest. Uh, but she was reaching out to me, and unfortunately, in this case. I was able to help.
2: Wow.
1: Well, and, and Bill, I mean, to that point, you know, thinking about how things can change and, you know, your advisory board will constantly go through changes, right? And maybe talk a little bit about how yours changed throughout your uh, adventure sure. and journey sure. through your career.
2: You want to, you want to keep uh, – to to make sure that, that the voices on, on those boards, those councils – are relevant and respected in the industry. And I have always tried to surround myself with people who are who are not just impeccable professionals, but impeccable people of, of high character. Uh, Fred being right at the top, uh, the, the people that, that I align myself with, I, I have no question that when they meet with a young person, as like Fred said, he's done hundreds of times that that young person is going to get the correct Unselfish, unvarnished uh, advice on 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 how to be how to be successful. and um, especially when you when you surround yourself, as Fred said, with with people that have strengths to to complement your weaknesses, I have a rule with my senior staff. I say, I cannot be the smartest guy in the room from our team, especially on a subject that I don't know as much about as one of you. So one of you will always be with me in a big meeting with another organization or another entity, because I know, you know, I, I have three very strong strengths and, and the rest of the stuff you you really don't want me involved in. And and so (laughs) I try to, I try to stay with my, with my strengths and empower the people around me to do what they do so well and uh, and thus far it's uh, it's worked. The other thing too, that, that uh, I, I read Fred's quote a few years ago, he said, Walter Austin managed the Dodgers for 23 years and he's in the hall of fame. Tom Lasorda managed the Dodgers for 22 years. He's in the hall of fame. Those guys didn't win every year. And and the message there was because people pull the trigger too quickly. There's no time to build and to win. Fred's message was when you didn't win, you got a lot smarter. You worked a lot harder. And in today's day and age, um, that is all but forgotten. The opportunity to grow and to learn through suffering, through crisis, through testing, that's been eliminated because if you don't win right away, you're gone.
1: Well, I i mean, it sound, kind of sounds like Bill listened to our episode with Andy Dolich about running to chaos, but maybe he hadn't. I don't know. Um, but that sounds awfully similar. And, you know, you talk about learning and growing from the tough times, uh, as Fred alluded to earlier, as your advisory board. And I think this is kind of what you were pointing to, Bill, was you know, if you're, if you've got three strengths and and three weaknesses, find three people that have the strengths of your weaknesses to kind of round yourself out. And, and hopefully those people that, you know, you're looking to can, can also, um, you know, benefit from your success as well. And, and the, the strengths that you provide, is that kind of where I'm going? Absolutely.
2: And And it, it all goes back to sports as the three of us know very well, there, there is, there is no accomplishment. There is no success better than playing on a winning team a team that's successful that team doesn't have to be on the field it can be in the front office and uh, I think Fred modeled that with the Dodgers and I took that wherever I
1: went well and, and talking about winning um, you know I think everyone wants to win right and we all want to have you know our, our face on the front of the newspaper or in this case on on social media uh, nowadays but you know talk about uh, between the two of you guys and and some of the struggles that you guys have actually gone through in terms of um, your careers and and some of the difficult times and and really how your advisory board helped you get out of those uh, holes Fred Fred, maybe start there first
3: Well, I think that uh during my career with the dodgers and uh and you have to acknowledge that uh in any career one can be very fortunate and I certainly was very fortunate uh, to be with the Dodgers to spend 30 years during the time of the O'Malley ownership or for the most part uh, for the O'Malley ownership and we've touched on this uh, a little bit but part of the uh, success that the Dodgers had had to do with continuity and so you know you can't Control all of this, as Bill mentioned, that you can be in a role as an athletic director or in a coach. That if you uh, do not have uh, success, that you can be out the door. But each of us controls our own resume, each of us controls our own consistency of what we do in terms of maintaining relationships and and knowing that we have people because we've built these relationships that we can call upon in difficult times and I think though one, one of the the key parts and, and again it, it's uh, it's so basic but once you you have to give your very best and and once you give the best of what you have to give then you, you have the comfort. This doesn't mean that you always succeed, but in knowing that you you it, it's, almost, it's like an athlete to that extent. You left everything on the field. You you did you you do not want to be in a position, in a job, where you have to where you second guess yourself. Did I do enough? Did I try hard enough? Did I want to accomplish enough? Did I conduct myself well enough? Don't, don't ever find yourself asking those questions. Because once you do, once you give all you have to give, there's, there's, there's no reason for anything other than to take the value of that and to move on with the comfort of that. And I think that's how you handle the difficult situations. Uh, and, and that's certainly, um, what I've always tried to do in uh, my career. I, I was never a, uh, a great athlete, uh, but I was usually the first guy on the field and the last to leave. That's the only
1: thing that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, it, it makes me, uh, remember, um, wherever I've been, I've, I've tried to surround myself with, with people that as Fred has talked about so well, um to to advise me and give me counsel give me comfort jump on me when I had to or when they had to and I, I can remember my three-year stint at Cal State Fullerton and uh actually having some if, if you would call it a, sort of an informal advisory board of other administrators on campus who were extremely supportive of me and even though uh I had to leave as, as I always said I I when, uh, I think an old basketball coach, Abe Lemon, said, "When they're fixing to run you out of town, grab a baton and start a parade." <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I resigned uh, ahead of being fired, and landed at Long Beach State. And um, about a year later, the president called me in and he said, "I want you to be my interim athletic director." And I said, uh, <laughs> "I don't think you understand. I didn't have a lot of fun doing that at Fullerton, and I did very well." And he said, he said, you don't think I talked to people over there? Now, remember, I didn't want that job. I didn't give him a list of five references. Call these guys and see if I was any good. He found those people on his own. And he said, you don't think that I know that you stood tall over there against a president who did not support you, who got weak need? Let me tell you something. If you're loyal to me, I will never get weak-kneed with you. Well, of course, at that point in time, I was ready to run through a wall. Uh, I'd cut the grass if the guy wanted me to cut the grass. (laughs) Uh, That guy believed in me, and he wanted me sitting there. And that was enough for me. And that's because somebody on my personal advisory council uh, knew me well enough to say, here's what Bill went through here. Here's what he did.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I mean – your examples are are spot on. And and I think anyone can learn from those as, as they kind of move throughout their career. And it's something to definitely look at and, you know, think about, you know, how, how one can take those lessons and then apply them to a successful situation and how that can even flourish more from there. Um, One, one topic I did want to cover uh, lastly, as we kind of wrap up our episode today is, uh, a theory on kind of the thir- the circles of twelve, and, and this kind of stems to, you know, the networking piece and how to network, and more uh, along the lines of your advisory board as well. But it's really connecting the circles of of twelve, and sometimes you have one, two, three circles to where they're all kind of all interconnected, um, one a higher level than another, and and really the twelve people that you uh, look to on a on a day to day, week to week basis and then maybe a month-to-month basis, and then maybe a, you know, every six months to a year basis, and kind of people that you continuously keep in touch with. And and obviously, you guys know probably thousands and thousands of people um, as you've gone throughout the years and in your uh, years of experience. But, you know, obviously, some come and go, and some were great during the three years. You were maybe, maybe at Fullerton, but they didn't you know stay on on that circle of 12 and maybe they move to a next one talk a little bit uh, about kind of your your theory behind that and and what people can do as they move throughout their career because you you know you just can't there's not enough time in the day right there's 24 hours 8 of them you sleep maybe 6 of them who, you know for those who work in sports maybe four but <laughs> you know talk about how you kind of keep in touch with those people and and it's even easier nowadays with social media sometimes but Maybe some strategies that you guys have used uh, to really maintain those relationships, like you were talking about earlier. Fred,
2: you want to jump on that?
1: Well, I, uh, I I think about it in
3: terms of, uh, of, of of really a continuity of circles, and in in, in my mind, none of them ever disappear. You know, the remarkable thing is how the more circles you can create, the better you are. It may be 5, 10, 12, it may be 20. Uh, because what's really remarkable is how when you continue to move and build the good relationships and never stop with those relationships, never put a halt to those relationships. And, and really, remarkably, it's easier to do today than ever before, through email, through the ease of being able to text someone. It, 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 so you never want uh, to let that disappear. And and I take great joy in the in the the friendships and the working relationships that I've had through all of the years and how they all connect with no matter what position you were in when i left the dodgers and wanted to teach and became involved with usc with bill's program at long beach state uh with uh, caltech i i maintain those contacts today uh students who, uh, who will reach out and ask for advice. I never fail, would never fail to respond to that. So I, I see it as, I don't know how many circles I have. But I've never, <laughs> but I've never stopped. A hundred, two hundred. And, and, and I don't ever want to stop to, uh, to count because, you know, Bill mentioned this in terms of his time at Fullerton. You you don't have to be self-serving in terms of touting of who you are of what you what you've done. There is a scouting report on each of us, yeah. and it's there. And that is why it goes back to the point of of everything you do. I I used to say during Dodger days because you know the the team was so visible so well covered i said would say just remember this everything we say everything we do at one point will become public so how do you feel about that how how are you going to feel so you better be comfortable with it because i can guarantee you uh in that position and i think in life uh it, it it will happen and um and so I think you just have to take the, uh, the joy of those friendships and relationships and, um, and from Bill uh, uh, left the Dodgers uh, years ago. But the friendships that he has and the, and the common friendships that we have through those days, they, they continue today as much as they did 30, 40 years ago.
2: Well said.
1: Yeah. Bill, you have anything to add to that? I I think it's kind of unique that it comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast of just kind of the fulfillment in sports and, you know, the friendships and the relationships that we can create right over over the years. And obviously you guys have done that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think of of people um, uh, um, certainly Fred at the top of the list, a couple of other men that have been great mentors to me in my life. Uh, th- those are the guys that 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 are uh, above me that I maintain those relationships. Uh, many more friends and colleagues, maybe at my similar level in their career, uh, very very special and meaningful relationships. And then um, and then uh, young people like you, Jake, uh, Dean Brazino at the Rose Bowl, um, young young men that I've had an opportunity to breathe into a bit and to see you do well um uh you know, those circles are, uh are different, but, but all very meaningful.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things too, is to, to be able to look back and um, cherish the friendships. But I mean, to think that, you know, Bill, you left the Dodgers a while ago, like Fred said, but now the two of you guys are on this podcast and, you know, for someone like me who met you guys, you know, five, six, however many years ago it was and, and to be, all in, in one uh, room per se talking is, is pretty amazing, right. And what um, things, things can lead to. And, you know, so I want to thank you guys for your time today on, on today's episode. Um, you know, one thing to, to mention, Bill, you can talk a little bit about uh, the Long Beach state sports management program to kind of re, you know, recap this episode and, and, and end it. Um, and, and what that kind of was as you started it and, and what it can do for people uh, who want to get into sports.
2: Absolutely. And and, uh, Fred knows all too well, as do you, Jake. Uh, There are hundreds, maybe approaching 500 sport management programs, whether undergrad or graduate around the country, each with their particular niche. And um, I had the opportunity in teaching in one of the programs, University of San Francisco, their Orange County uh, campus, when I was an athletic director at Long Beach State. Uh, didn't. In fact, I team taught the class with another good mutual friend of Fred and I, Roy Engelbrecht, another big part of my network. Roy and I team taught a class. And as much as I enjoyed it, I knew that I could not continue to give that much of my time while being a college athletic director. So I I came back and talked to the academic folks on our campus and said, you know, I I just taught 35 young professionals who paid $25,000. Now, this was this was in the late 1990s guys and it was $25,000 then I, I said, they paid $25,000 for an advanced degree. It would seem to me at Long Beach state, we could do it every bit as well for half the cost. And, mm-hmm. and of course we, uh, we structured the program. Uh, the academic folks got it off the ground. Uh, they leaned on me for my advisory council and, and for recommendations on teachers. And um, the program has been going almost 20 years now. And, um, uh, there's a lot of good programs out there, but having a program in Southern California that's affordable, where you have an opportunity to intern at all these great, uh, with these great teams, these great facilities, these great events, that's a leg up on getting you into the job market. So I'm very, very proud of that.
1: Yeah, well, kudos to you for for all of the success that that program has had. And, you know, Thank as you. you alluded to, there's, there's many others, but... Um, Oddly enough, we're going to have Buffy Philippel on next next episode with Andy Dolich, and um, she is with Teamwork Online, and obviously that's another uh, new kind of over the last five, ten years, um, new engine that has helped people get into sports and and job postings and consulting and all that sort of stuff, so kind of flowing into that, but thank you guys for your time today. Appreciate it. Um, For those who are listening, if you'd like to Radar our episode, visit Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe and tune in for next week's episode with Andy and Buffy and good night.
2: Jake, thank you very much. Fred, good, good to be with you.
1: Good to be with
3: you
0: guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode on life in the front office as we encourage you to provide feedback. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And for more episodes from this podcast, search Life in the Front Office on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We invite any feedback or questions for our host to answer the next episode. And to do so, please email lifeinthefrontoffice at gmail.com.